0: Hey, happy weekend, friends. How you guys doing? Everybody good? Awesome to see you. Um, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm so glad we get to be together here for this next little bit. Um, if, if you're here in the room, um, we're going to take communion in our time together, and uh, if you didn't get a communion cup yet, if you'd raise your hand, our ushers would be glad to give one to you. Um, for those of you who are online, that's a little heads up for you. You can uh, head to the kitchen or wherever it is and get bread and juice so you can participate with us as well. Uh, if you're able to do that, we'd sure appreciate it. Um, we're getting close to the end of this series we've been in since Easter. We've got this weekend and next weekend, I believe. And uh, we've called this series For the Win. And this series is for anybody who needs a win in their life. And uh, I need a win in my life, I know you need a win in your life, and so I'm really glad that we get to do this together. There's gonna be great things that come from our time. Our, uh, our little theme verse for this series is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 says this, it says, thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus won the victory, the ultimate victory when he conquered death and rose again from the dead and he did not hold that victory for himself. He lets people like you and me participate in his victory and when we receive the victory that he wants to give to us, our response to that is thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I, these are victories that you and I cannot win. It's victory over death, so we get to participate in eternal life. It's victory over the things that that suck the life out of life. We We get to live because of who Jesus is and what he's willing to share with us. And this weekend I wanna talk with you about victory that you and I can experience, victory of forgiveness over bitterness in our lives. Sometimes we get stuck in unforgiveness And when we get stuck in unforgiveness, what happens to us is we become small, bitter, angry, difficult people. We're not anything like what we wanna be. We don't have the kind of life that we wanna have. We don't get to have the kind of relationships that we had hoped and dreamed of. When we get stuck in unforgiveness, really bad things happen for us. And I have good news for us today that God wants to give us victory over unforgiveness so that we can live in forgiveness and walk away from bitterness in our everyday lives. So this, this thing about forgiveness, I'm gonna share with you at the front end here my, one of my favorite quotes about it. It's by C.S. Lewis, and I've come across this just in the last couple of years. So C.S. Lewis makes this statement. He says, we all agree that forgiveness is a beautiful idea until we have to practice it. Right? It's, it's so true, that, that especially when I need forgiveness, like it's a beautiful idea that somebody would forgive me. It's beautiful until we have to practice it, and Today I wanna talk with you about practicing forgiveness. And so, um, let me give you a definition real quick of what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is very simply releasing somebody else from repayment. Releasing somebody else from repayment. What happens is somebody hurts us in some way and inside our natural bent is to say, you owe me. Right, you owe me. You may owe me an apology, you may owe me changed behavior, you may owe me some kind of public humiliation for you, or you may not even know what you, what you expect or what you desire, but, but when something happens to us, when somebody hurts us, our gut response, our natural response is to say that you owe me, and forgiveness is releasing people who have hurt us from paying us back. If this is something you've ever been involved in, something you've ever had to exercise, you know that it sounds, looks really good on the screen, and it's a beautiful thing until it's time to practice it. But holding on to a grudge, walking in unforgiveness, um, it it could wreck your life. So let me just start all this and give you a few things about unforgiveness. Let's talk about unforgiveness for a minute and just kind of explore this together. So the first thing about unforgiveness is that it feels so right. (laughs) When when somebody hurts you and you've been hurt and you want to hold on to that. And it just, it feels good for a little while to hold on to that grudge, and especially if, if they are unrepentant, especially if they've not said they're sorry, if they've not really responded in a way that like the depth of the wound that they have caused in your life with the way they're behaving towards you now, unforgive it just, it feels so right for us. And so I, I think we ought to say that at the start of all this. If you're holding on to unforgiveness in your life and it's feeling good right now, like. We totally get that, totally understand, but here's some more stuff about unforgiveness. The first thing, the next thing is it's a choice that we make. Unforgiveness is a choice that you make. It, it is not, so oftentimes people think, well, I can't forgive because the person who hurt me hasn't said they're sorry, hasn't changed the way they behave. You make your list of reasons, but you know what? That's not their decision. It's your decision to Forgive or not forgive somebody. They don't have the power to keep you imprisoned in unforgiveness unless you give it to them. Un- unforgiveness is a choice that you can make. And the flip side of that is so is forgiveness. And if you're going to be a person who chooses forgiveness, probably what you're going to find in your life is that you're going to have to choose to forgive. And you're going to choose to forgive a number of times before you start to feel like you are forgiving somebody which is the other part about unforgiveness and forgiveness. It's not, it's a choice. It's not a feeling. You, you don't have, like your feelings don't get to drive train in this deal. You get to choose, you get to make a decision with your will and then you get to live in that. And the feelings will follow whichever way you cho- choose to go. If you choose unforgiveness, like that is your choice. And so forgiveness is a choice, unforgiveness is a choice you make. Third thing about unforgiveness, is it gives Satan access to our lives. It gives Satan access to our lives. You have an enemy of your soul. He, everything God loves, he hates. Everything God's building, he's trying to tear down. That means God loves you and God's trying to build you up and the enemy of your soul hates you and is trying to tear you down. His agenda for your life is to steal, to kill, and destroy. And if you and I walk in unforgiveness, we are giving him access to our lives in a little letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses seven through 11. It's five little verses, they're all short little verses. You can read them at home if you'd like to. But those five little verses, six times, the Apostle Paul writes the word forgive, 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 forgive. forgive. And he writes that word forgive and he talks about the importance of all that. And then he finishes that whole little section there and he says, because we are not unaware of Satan's schemes. Satan, Satan traffics in unforgiveness. If he can catch you, if he can catch me in unforgiveness, we've given him access, it's a choice we make, we've given him access to our lives. The enemy of our soul, we've opened the door for his engagement in our lives if we choose to be a person who will not forgive. And then what unforgiveness does, you know this, it turns us in on ourselves. turns us in on ourselves. And I think part of the reason for that is because now we're trying to do something that is God's job. God says that vengeance belongs to him. He's the one who repays. So you and I don't hold on to anything because God's the one who takes care of everything. And so when you and I hold on to, hold on to those grudges, it just it turns us in on ourselves and as it turns us in on ourselves, we become smaller and smaller and meaner and meaner and we just like roots of bitterness take over our lives. And so unforgiveness is this devastating thing. Spiritually, it hinders our prayers. If you're, if you're a person who prays and you care about what happens with your prayers and you, and you don't forgive, you won't forgive somebody. Jesus, when he taught his followers how to pray, one of the things that he taught us to say in our prayer to the heavenly father is forgive us of our debts as we forgive those who are our debtors. Like the people, forgive me for what I owe you in the same way that I forgive the people who owe me. And if you can't pray that, if you can't pray that, that gets in the way of your prayers. And it leads that last little statement, too. It impacts God's forgiveness of us. It impacts God's forgiveness of us. I can't fully explain that. I, don't, I, I read it in the scriptures. So I'm gonna read it here in just a minute in this explanation that Jesus gives about living as a forgiving person. But it does. If, if you're a forgiving person, that impacts how God forgives you. And if you're an unforgiving person, that, too, impacts God's forgiveness of you, And so this is, this is a sober conversation in a lot of ways because there's a lot at stake for people like you and me who live in a world in relationships where people hurt us and things happen to us. And, and we get to practice this, this Christian virtue of forgiveness in our lives because if we don't practice it, we find ourselves living way less than God's best for us. So I want to just walk us through this little conversation Jesus had with one of his followers about forgiveness. And this is probably the, this is probably the most, um, maybe famous would be the right word, probably the most famous teaching that Jesus gives on forgiveness and unforgiveness. It's maybe the most studied. You've been, if you're a church person, you've probably heard some of these things before, but it's a great reminder for us about, about forgiveness and how we're supposed to walk in it. So it's in Matthew chapter 18, Starting in verse 21, so Peter, who is one of Jesus' first followers, we hear Peter's name a lot in here, especially as we read through the Gospel accounts. Peter came to Jesus and he asked him, he said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And, and Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. So, what we're about to jump into here is Jesus is actually gonna explain his answer with a story. And this story he tells, like he's pretty forceful in his in his answer, in explaining his answer to Peter about forgiveness. Because if you remember the question, Peter's saying, Hey, how many times do I have to forgive somebody who offends me? And so, what, what Peter's doing in this moment is is he's trying to draw a limit, draw a line on how forgiving he has to be. Like how often do I have to forgive? If somebody keeps hurting me, how often do I have to forgive them? If this thing keeps coming back in my life, how often do I have to turn it loose? Seven times? Like, would seven be enough? And Jesus is looking at him, and the reason Jesus is so forceful is because what he's really asking is, can I hold on to a grudge And still be a good Christian. Like he's 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 advocating for that. All right, so Jesus, if if I forgive somebody seven times, like that's gotta be enough, right? If I forgive them seven times and and we're still we're still in that loop, if I've forgiven them seven times, can I stop forgiving them and still go on my way and be a good Christian person? And so the reason Jesus is so forceful with this. With this answer that he gives is because he's talking, Peter represents people who who have been hurt and have a grudge and want to hold the grudge and go on with their life like they're a good Christian person. And so so if, if you're if you've been hurt and you're holding the grudge and you want to hold that grudge, then and you want to consider yourself a good Christian person, like you want to keep going down the road like you're just a good Christian person, Jesus is getting ready to hit that attitude with a sledgehammer. Right? So it's like he is getting ready to blow that attitude, that perspective, that mindset up. And so if if that's you saying, hey, like, okay, I'm I've been hurt and I'm gonna hold the grudge and I'm gonna keep being a good Christian person. Like if, if that's you, you should buckle up. Cause like the full force of what Jesus says here. You're gonna experience that in just a moment. And I think like, I think you ought to hear him out because if you'll hear Jesus out in this, it will really help you. Now, others of us, others of us have been hurt. We've been hurt deeply and, and we're trying to forgive and we're finding forgiveness to be harder than we ever imagined it would be or or we we're, we're trying to forgive but the pain is so great and maybe it keeps coming back or keeps the offense keeps happening or being repeated and and we want to forgive and we don't know how. Like if that's you, if that's you, you got you got to hear you got to hear what Jesus is going to say in this story. You got to hear it because the truth will help you. Don't be offended by the forcefulness of it. Remember, it's being offered to somebody who says, hey, I want to hold my grudge and be a good Christian, and so he's got to break that up. But if you're trying and you don't know how or if you found it to be harder than you ever imagined, like hear, hear what he's saying and hang in with me, and we're going to make it all the way to the end of this, and we're going to hear Jesus speak about forgiveness from a little bit different context, then we're going to take communion together. And it's going to be a beautiful moment, and you're going to be able to move forward in your journey of forgiveness, all right? So Peter asked the question, how many times do I have to forgive somebody? Seven? Like if I go all the way to seven, is that enough? Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh, 77 times, at least 77 times. And here's the story now that he tells. So therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since this man was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before his master. Be patient with me, he begged. I'll pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. So this is the first half of this story that Jesus is gonna tell. And Jesus' story has a spiritual purpose. And to get to this spiritual purpose, we have to understand what the different elements of it stand for. And so in this story, the master the master represents God. And so this master represents God in heaven, the king, the master, he represents the Lord. And then this man or this servant represents human beings in this debt, this 10,000 bags of gold, this insurmountable debt. I don't know how much money that is. I've never had a bag of gold. So to think of 10,000 bags of gold, like this insurmountable debt is actually our sin. It is your sin, it's my sin, it's our sin against God. It's, It's the debt that Adam and Eve, our first parents, When they rebelled against God, when they ate the forbidden fruit, like they created that debt and you and I were born into that debt and you and I have made decisions in our lives to rebel and be apathetic towards God and every one of us has this same 10,000 bags of gold debt in our lives. And so this first chunk of the story represents God and us and the debt that we owe him in our relationship with him And, and the day of calling this thing to account like this, this section of the story, to me, this section of the story it's really humbling because, because it demonstrates how great my sin is against God. And sometimes I forget that because it's really easy for me and probably for you. It's easy for people like us when, when we start looking at ourselves like we like to compare ourselves to each other. If we, you know, somehow I'm, if I can fall in the middle somewhere, maybe a little above, I just like to be above average. Like I don't even have to be great. If I could just somehow, if I could find the right group of people to compare myself to so that I could be above average, then I would be all right. And there's people who are worse than me and there are people who are better than me and that's okay. But just general, I can go on about my life and in my relationship with God. If I could just be above average to some of y'all, like like that just like, that would be good for me. And the first part of this story though reminds me it reminds me that it doesn't matter how I compare, how I stack up to you. What this reminds me of is that my apathy towards God, my rebellion against him, like I have, I have incurred a debt that is insurmountable. I have incurred a debt that I could never pay back. And so it's, it's incredibly humbling. And then the other piece of this, as I read through this story, because, because the master, the king, he represents God. And, and so there's hope. Here, There's hope for people like you and me because this, this master, he's a forgiver. And what this tells us about God is that he is God is a forgiver. He forgives and he's, he's anxious to forgive. He's willing to forgive. And I, I see what this the, like the man is. He falls to his knees and he says, be patient with me. I will pay you back. Like he doesn't even say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. He, he acknowledges his debt and he falls to his knees and he says, put me on the extended payment plan. If you put me on the extended payment plan, I could get there. And the master sees him and is moved with compassion and instead of putting him on the extended payment plan, actually forgives him. And this, this king, this master who represents God, what we find in this story is that God is a forgiver. And so people like you and me, there's so much hope for us. If we're, if we're willing to be humble and to acknowledge, like, yeah, the debt is there. The debt is there. If we're willing to be humble and acknowledge the debt, God is a forgiver. This God who sees us and knows us and loves us, like he is willing to forgive and so he forgives this massive debt. And so we see this in this first part of this story. There's this, this beautiful act of forgiveness here. And then as we move on, verses, the next few verses there, but when that servant, the one who's been forgiven, the one who now has a clean slate. So when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. So 100 silver coins, so you think like 100 days wages. It's not not gold. It's silver. It's not a bag. It's just like a hundred coins. And so a hundred days wages, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins and he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me. I'll pay you back. Put me on the extended payment plan. If you put me on the extended payment plan, we'll get there. You notice that, right? It's the same thing that the guy who's just been forgiven said and now he's being asked the same thing. But he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what happened, The other servants who knew that this guy had been forgiven the 10,000 bags of gold and was now holding the 100 silver coins against his fellow servant, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And they went and they told their master everything that had happened, that they should be outraged. This is outrageous. That somebody who was forgiven like he was forgiven would, would withhold forgiveness from somebody else, somebody who'd been released from so much would be unwilling to release somebody else, so the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. Remember Jesus' story, He's he's hitting the attitude with a sledgehammer here, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And then Jesus lets us know what exactly was owed. It's not the 10,000 bags of gold, that insurmountable debt. Jesus says, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And and so it's not the 10,000 bags of gold insurmountable debt that's owed. What's owed is forgiveness. What's owed is forgiveness. And we already know. Living with unforgiveness is like living in prison. Living with unforgiveness is torture in and of itself, the way it turns us in on itself, the way it opens our lives up to what Satan's plan of steal, kill, and destroy. Living in unforgiveness, is it, it is prison. It is prison, and you don't get out of that until you learn to forgive. And so if we just kind of complete the picture of what's represented in this second half of the story, you already see this, you know it, it's pretty obvious, the offender, the offended person is a servant. He's the one who is, he's owed the 100 coins, the fellow servant. He's, he's the one who's offended him. He's the one who's offended him. And then the last one, the 100 coins, is that their sin against, that's other people's sin against us. So, so you've got people in your life who are this fellow servant. They have hurt you. They have offended you. They have done something to you, and I don't know how big or how small it is, but when it's you, like somebody on the outside doesn't really get to look at it and say that's no big deal, right? So you've been hurt by somebody, and they owe you. Now, one of the things that is a, that is a big temptation for us, and it's, it's perspective that gets shifted in, in our minds when you hear a story like this, when you think about who's hurt you and how bad they hurt you, the big temptation is to think that they owe you the 10,000 bags of gold, and that you owe God the hundred silver coins. But that is not true. You and I have offended God, we have offended him to the insurmountable debt, and your fellow human being has hurt you in something that could be covered. But you and I don't get to live in the beauty and the joy of all the forgiveness until we learn to be people who forgive. And that's really the point of this whole story that Jesus tells. response to peter's question how often do i forgive seven times no seven times 70 here's your point the forgiven people forgive people if you're a person who's been forgiven then what is what is right and what is expected of you is that that you would be forgiving of others my favorite detail in this whole story is the fellow servants who are just kind of standing on the outside and they're watching all these things and And they see that the guy whose slate was wiped clean was unwilling to extend the same kindness and the same mercy to his fellow servant. That is outrageous that a forgiven person would be unforgiving. And what I would say to you as a forgiven person, if you are are receiving the forgiveness that God offers you, we are not the kind of people who hold grudges. We are not the kind of people who live in unforgiveness in our lives. We are not the kind of people who open ourselves up to the work of the evil one and his plan for us. We are not the kind of people who hold on to the hurt. We are not the kind of people who demand somebody else pay something, even if we don't know what it is. We are the kind of people, if we're receiving the forgiveness that God offers to us, we are the kind of people who forgive. Because forgiven people forgive people. So in hearing that, in hearing that, forgiven people forgive people, and you've been hurt, and you want to forgive, but you don't know how. Or you're trying to forgive, but you're finding it to be so much harder than you ever thought it would be. Can I, can I show you real quickly something that Jesus says? It's along these same lines, but it's in a different context, to a different group of people. It's from a sermon that he preached, and it's recorded for us in the Gospel of Luke chapter six. Jesus says this, he says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. And I think what Jesus did in this little statement, as a, as a communicator, as he's talking to the audience, what I think Jesus did is I think he started with the greatest expression of forgiveness. And he says the greatest expression of forgiveness is that you would love your enemies. And then I think he kind of works down the list, not to small expressions, but lesser expressions of forgiveness, the way it flows out in our lives. So the greatest expression of forgiveness is love, love for your enemies. And then as we work down the list, do good to those who hate you and bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. And if you're a person trying to figure out how do I forgive or where do I start? This is harder than I thought it would be. Is there a different approach that I could take this kind of thing. Can I just offer you something that I think is, I find it helpful for me. I, I flip Jesus's order around. Because again, he starts with the greatest expression and when I've been hurt, I just can't do it. I can't l- just love my enemies. I've got to start somewhere else. And so I'll start with the lesser expression and, the, and the, in the list in his order, it starts with pray. Like if, if you want to move towards forgiveness for somebody else, like you could pray for them. You could pray for the people who have mistreated you. And as you, as you pray for them, as you begin to pray for them, and you can pray whatever you're able to pray for them in their lives. As you pray for them, then you'll find yourselves being able to bless them and bless them is speaking kindly about them and then ultimately speaking kindly to them in prayer, asking good things for them. So as you begin to pray for them, then you'll be able to bless them and as you move in blessing, then you're all gonna grow in that and there'll be a point where you will be able to do good and ultimately you'll be living into the greatest expression of forgiveness to the person who's hurting you is to, to be able to love them. And in, in this, I'm not talking about, like we, we, get to have our, we get to have our boundaries for our safety and for our personhood. We get to have boundaries with people in our lives but we don't ever get to draw the line on how far we're willing to go in forgiveness because forgiven people forgive people. And so what I'd like to do for us in this next little bit is I'd like to transition us into this time of communion because in order to forgive, we need to remember how we've been forgiven. And communion for us is the great reminder that God has given to his people to remember our forgiveness, to remember the payment of the 10,000 bags of gold, the price for your sin, for my sin. And so if you have your little cup there, if you'd take the bottom off and grab that piece of bread. Jesus gave us this communion ceremony right before he went to the cross. So his first followers, they didn't, they didn't know everything was coming. You and I have the opportunity of looking back. So Jesus is sitting in a room with his followers. And he knows. He, he knows the, the 10,000 bags of gold. He, he knows the offense that each one of their sin, your sin, my sin, has created in our relationship with God. He knows, and he knows he's headed to the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and for my sin and headed into that is a, is a tremendous amount of physical suffering. And so, and so he takes a piece of bread and he breaks it and he tells him, this is my body, which is broken for you. The price tag for your sin, for my sin, insurmountable for you and for me. Can't, Couldn't pay it, couldn't pay it, couldn't pay it on the extended payment plan, couldn't pay it. The price tag for your sin, for my sin, insurmountable for you and for me. But Jesus, the son of God, God the son, the the sinless one, willing to go to a cross and die a criminal's death to give his body to be broken for you and for me, he's paying the price for us. And so Jesus took a piece of bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you eat this in remembrance of me. So let's eat the bread together. If you'll take the cup, After he gave them the bread, those first followers, the bread, he gave them the cup. And he said to them, this cup is my blood which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. The price tag for your sin, for my sin, is the blood of Jesus. The He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. God doesn't just wipe away the 10,000 bags of gold and say it's no longer there anymore. Somebody had to pay, and Jesus paid for you and for me. And this is a faith moment. This is, this is us... Receiving and rejoicing in the forgiveness that God gives to us through Jesus. The only reason you and I can be forgiven is because Jesus was willing to give his body to be broken, his blood to be poured out. This cup is my blood, Jesus said, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. So, let's drink the cup together. Ask the band to come back out. Sir, coming, I'd like to pray for us. Would you guys please bow your head and close your eyes with me? Before I pray, If you've been holding on to a hurt, to a grudge, you've drawn a line on how much you're willing to forgive and no more, you've been trying to figure it out, how do I turn this loose, what does this look like? This is your moment. You have been forgiven. And because you have been forgiven, you can be forgiving. And so just there between you and God, your prayer is I forgive. You say their name, you say what they did. I forgive. Thank you for forgiving me. Father, help us to forgive. Thank you for being forgiving. What hope we find in knowing that you, our God, are a forgiver. That we accumulated this debt that we couldn't pay and Jesus stepped in and paid what he did not owe so that our slate is wiped clean. We're really grateful that we bring our brokenness, our mess, who we are to you and you do not condemn us and you do not shame us and you do not shoo us away. You receive us and you heal us. You give us your life. You give us voice to honor and bless you and to honor and bless around us, including those who've hurt us. So this is a faith moment for us. This is a worship moment for us. And all of this goodness comes to us, Jesus, through you, through your sacrifice, because of your love. So we love you too, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. you need somebody to pray with you or pray for you about whatever we talked about today or something else that's going on in your lives if you're here in the room there'll be prayer leaders down here at the front we'd be our honor to pray for you we'd invite you to come participate in that if you're watching online if you hit the prayer button that'll take you to our prayer page we'd love to connect with you that way Um, thank you guys for being part of this worship service it's been wonderful to be with you Um, I love you guys hope you have a great weekend I'll see you next week